Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Well, if it's the offseason, it means videos of guys doing workouts that mere mortals could never be able to accomplish. And I don't mean that sarcastically. Alvin Kamara on some sort of a modified skateboard hoverboard punching away a exercise That's impressive right there. I wouldn't last two seconds on that ride, baby. Well, it's like, uh, no, no, I don't think I would either at this point. Now, there was a time in my career where I did do stuff like that, but not that advanced. I mean... That kind of like, wasn't he the guy last year we showed like he was like standing on top of the big, you know, plyo ball or whatever that was either way. But it speaks to why his balance is so amazing, Mike. I mean, when you work stuff like that, uh, it, it really, you see an improvement. It's one of those kind of exercises that saved my career after my spleen, oddly enough, that got everything firing and back normal again. But uh, cool to see. The proprioception yeah, cure. Yeah, it was. To allow your body to recognize its entire placement within time and space, something you've explained in the yeah, past about right. the spleen. It was harder to do that. I first became aware of workouts that were unrelated to running around with a football or throwing a baseball, yeah. hitting a baseball, 15, 17 years ago when my son was playing baseball. And we got at the sporting goods store this this little ball with that was like shaped weird like the everlasting gobstopper and the idea was you'd throw it down and it would bounce randomly and you'd catch it and that would improve your hand eye coordination gotcha, right that was right. my introduction to exotic techniques for training so i decided to try the thing out so the first one hit me right in the forehead the second one hit me right in the crotch and that was the end of that <laughs> yes well no, yes. no exotic training techniques for me and I think it scared my son away from it as well. So anytime I see something like that. No I, wonder I, you I, haven't I, had any like more some, kids ever since. That's, that's some, now that explains it. <laughs> branded coordination ball. And yeah. I proved to myself that I have none. All right, let's get 
to the show. It's June 2nd, which means it's a day after June 1. That is some high-level analysis that you only get here. And what, what it used to mean pre-2006 would be a second wave of free agency. And for the first five years right. or so that we operated PFT, it was always a big day on the calendar because there would be players who were under contract, who had bloated cap numbers, who had bonus amounts that, if they were cut before June 1, would rush onto the cap, and you had to wait until after June 2, because after June 2, you would only take the bonus acceleration, the bonus allotment that applies for this year. You don't get any acceleration. Anything that's left over went to the next year. So there was a cottage industry within the cottage free agency industry of June 2, June 2, June 2. Guys get cut. Other teams then pursue them, and it created 10 weeks to, or 10 days, excuse me, to two weeks of content. Yeah, it was right, great. right. 2006 had all changed, and it created the device that allows teams to cut two players per year before June 1 and treat it like it's a post June 1 transaction. Yeah. So, like a Kyle Rudolph, he would have been cut today, pre 2006. Kyle Rudolph was cut by the Vikings back in March. It's processed as a post-June 1 transaction. Gotcha. So that part of it's done. But this year, Chris, yeah. June 2 is making a comeback because, and it used to be if you traded a guy during any year at any time, before or after June 1, you took the full salary cap acceleration that year. They decided, and I think it was around the same time, if not a couple of years later, they decided that if you trade someone after June 1, treats it the same way. So that's why we've been talking about Julio Jones being traded as of June 2. The Russell Wilson angle, 39 million cap charge drops to 13 million right. as of June 2. That 26 million doesn't is, uh, disappear. It just hits the cap next year. So so this year we're not looking at June 2 as a potential launch point for guys to get cut, although it still could happen. It's a launch point for guys to get traded. Starting with Julio Jones, but the other names that have been percolating, Deshaun Watson, Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, those trades, if they happen now, all entail much more favorable cap consequences right. for their current team. So not, not that it's, it's going to make something that's not happened happen, but it makes it more palatable for the team that's trading the player. Yeah, it's part of, a, it's part of the world we live in right now with the NFL. You're right, and it is a, it's a device that, you know, but you did a good job explaining it there. You really did, because I think a lot of people kind of know a little bit. Oh, yeah, June 2nd or June 1st, you could, you know, cut the, you know, cut it in half like you talk about. But I don't think people really know the details or anything like that. So, uh, yeah, it's it takes a little burden off the team here and we'll see. Maybe we see a little bit more action. The only one right now on the radar, though, that I think is like really, really relevant that we think could happen. Right. Unless I'm missing somebody else, because you named all the big names, is Julio, right? There's nobody else right now yeah. we're literally looking at that's uh, that type of scenario. But, but as I said last week, you can't completely rule out the possibility, like, you know, a team such as the Raiders plotting and waiting to make a move as of June 2 to try to get Russell Wilson. And, and if it's something that, and, and again, we don't know, and they're never going to tell us. Let's say that. John Gruden's not happy with Derek Carr. Yeah. He's not going to come out and say it at this stage of the season. You know, you, 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 yeah, you know, you know Derek, Derek Carr, you know, we've been doing this for three years. we got to do something big. And at some point in May, 
they decide, hey, once this window opens for the Seahawks to take $26 million less of a cap charge, let's go make them a big offer and see what they do. And if they take it, then it happens like a lightning bolt. Nobody saw it coming, just like nobody saw the San Francisco 49ers trading from 12 to 3 coming until it happened. And so it, it makes it slightly less unattractive. I'm not saying it makes it more attractive because the Seahawks don't seem to be inclined to do it. Yeah. But you, you, we have removed that. Well, they can't do it. They take a $39 million cap. Right. That's no, over. As of today, they would take 13. And, the, and it's and it's. 13 versus 39 because there's 39 left at 13 million a year for the next three years. So this year's number is 13. They're taking that whether he's on the team or not. It was that other 26 that was in the balance. And now that other 26 goes to next year. And so that makes it easier. Aaron Rodgers, $11.5 million of potential cap charge gone now. For Deshaun Watson, what's that? 16.2 million. 16.2 million is what the Texans would realize in savings this year. By trading him now. They still have to take it next year, but it, it reduces the cap hit. So those are the guys who are relevant post-June 2. And any player who would get traded who would have remaining cap acceleration beyond this year, that, that's, that's the bonus. That's the inducement to letting a guy be traded after June 2. And you know we'll, we'll, we'll see if that results in any of the guys other than Julio Jones being more likely to be traded. But for Jones, there was no way. It was a non-starter. He was not getting traded before June 2. And, you know, Chris, uh, the betting odds, I don't know if you saw this last night, and I don't know if we talk about it later in the show. I did read the, 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 you know, the outline of the show, but now I forget whether or not it's in there. Right. Uh, the Seahawks now the betting favorites, which I would not make that bet. I would not make that bet if, if, uh, if given the opportunity and – sufficiently willing to squander my money I would not bet on the Seahawks I would still bet on the Titans to be the team that gets him yeah I, I mean I'd, I'd be surprised if they were the team that got him too I would I mean especially with like the uncertainty of where Russell Wilson is right now and and his standing with the Seattle Seahawks and all of that you know the things we brought up with Julio Jones yesterday you know of course we know you know, practicing isn't always the easiest. He does do a little bit load management during the year as far as how much he practices, when he practices. And then the contract situation, I don't know. That just doesn't seem like a Seattle move to me. I, it does not. And if they did make that move, I don't know. I guess maybe it would maybe maybe make me change my thought about what they want to do with Russell Wilson. I guess that that's the one thing Absolutely. I will say. Right? You'd go, okay, Absolutely. they're not going to trade him after the year. They're going to do everything they can to make this work and extend him, and they're going to try to get one more run out of this, another four- or five-year run out of Russell Wilson and see if they can do it. Okay, so you're in agreement there. Trading for Russell Wilson in Seattle would have the same impact on the relationship with Russell Wilson as trading for – uh, for Julio yeah, Jones, I gotcha. mean, you know, trading it. for yeah. Julio Jones in Seattle would have the same impact on the relationship with the quarterback as it would have in Green Bay. Yeah, right. And, right. and we we advocated early on when the Julio Jones trade talk accelerated. This is something the Packers could do, and in one fell swoop, fix their issue with Aaron Rodgers. Same thing applies to the Seahawks, which is one of the reasons why we don't think they're going to do it. Like all of a sudden, the Seahawks, after years of you just work here. You don't need to tell us what to do. Right. We're going to run the, the team the way we see fit. Ground and pound, ground and pound. Oh, wait, you know what? We got an idea. We're going to go three wide. We're going to go DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, Julio Jones. Right. Let's go. Right. Fire up the offense. Yeah, right. Here you go, Russell Wilson. You're now our Patrick Mahomes. We've, 
We we have seen the light. Yeah, right. We yes. are ready to do this. I think that to the extent that it's true, there have been trade discussions. It was done so they can just say to Russell Wilson, we tried. Maybe. That's the only reason they did it. Maybe. Maybe that's why they did it. You kind of said that last year with Antonio Brown a little bit, too. I, I mean, maybe, maybe that is the reason they're doing it. Uh, it but I'm with you. It, it just does not make sense for all the things that you just kind of – you know, sarcastically explained. Oh, yeah, yeah, we're going to go all Sarcastic. in on Russell and throw the ball and throw the ball. Oh, wait, you threw two interceptions? Hey, bring in the other tight end, and we're going to run the ball for five straight weeks now. Hey, Julio, uh, we don't need you. We have other two receivers on the field. I, I, that's where I don't think it makes sense, for Seattle at least. I don't. You know, yeah, they got enough issues there right now. They got the Jamal Adams contract on the horizon. They got the DK Metcalf contract on the horizon. Tyler Lockett's what on a five-year, ninety million dollars deal? He's got a new contract, right? Yeah. So I just don't see any of that adding up to Seattle making a move for Julio. And and that's really the point that hasn't been emphasized nearly enough. Julio Jones is not just going to show up and say, "Hey, you got me for the next three years at thirty-eight million." He may want a new contract now. He definitely will want one if he has a big year in twenty twenty-one. And after twenty twenty-one, that's that's when DK Metcalf is in line to get yeah. his. It's just it's a problem that the Seahawks shouldn't want and I wouldn't want. And, and look, I think the Seahawks need to solve their Russell Wilson problem one way or the other. But you don't solve that problem by taking on another problem that just compounds your total player personnel problems. Yeah. And having Julio Jones on the roster just creates more problems than it solves, I believe. The Steelers still have Ben Roethlisberger on the roster. He met with reporters yesterday at an OTA session, and he said a lot of interesting things. Yeah. Let's begin with an exchange on his elbow surgery and what it may or may not have done to the teams passing the ball down the field in 2020. Here's the exchange with Ben Roethlisberger from Tuesday. Hey ben, historically, you've been pretty good throwing the deep ball over your career. Last year, not so much. Uh, what was your reason for that? And did it have anything to do with the elbow at all, in your opinion? Well, I was going to say, Mark, you know, I had total reconstruction on my elbow. It might have something to do with it, but uh, no, no excuses. Um, you know, it's my arm feels great, though. Um, I'll I'd like to wait to answer that question until we get into more this season and see how it feels right now. It feels really good. I mean, you know, my arm was was healed. Obviously, I played it was it was healthy, but I think anybody that has a big surgery, um, it almost takes like a, like that year, that first year back, it's still, you're back, but are you really back and feeling great? So that's why I, I, I want to reserve to answer that question until we get into this season a little bit to really let you know how my arm feels, even compared to last year. Chris? I love it when we articulate the excuse and then say, no excuses. Yeah, and, right. and he did it with kind of a smile. Yeah. I think he's been around long enough that he realizes the cat's out of the bag. By the time you say no excuses, this is one of those where there's a disconnect between what you read and what you see. And I think he knows, you know what? You got me there. Yeah. No excuses. Yeah, no, right, you know. right. I had a total reconstruction of my elbow. That's why I didn't throw the ball down the field. Hey, no excuses, folks. No excuses. Well, the new men's cologne brought to you by Ben Roethlisberger. No excuses. I it just, it just, it was just, it was it weird. Was awkward. It was funny. It was, yeah. It was self-aware. There was right. no, but there was a self-awareness to it when he smiled. It's like, you know, you got me here. I'm stepping right into this. Yeah. And now I understand why reporters don't, uh, don't like that, but, uh, Hey, look, 
that had not been proffered by anyone as an excuse last year for the Steelers not throwing the ball down the field. No. It was more, that's just the way the offense is yeah. under Randy Feekner, who is now not there for reasons including they didn't get the ball down the field. Nobody said, hey, this guy's elbow had a full reconstruction. They no. just weren't throwing the ball down the field. No, exactly right. And, and, you know, listen, I mean, I don't know. Is he is he saying there – that's where I'm like, is he saying that that affected it? Or yes, he didn't yes. feel the same throwing the ball deep down the field? I mean, that's I guess that's what he's saying. Yeah, but, like, I'm with you a little bit there, Mike, in that aspect. You know, I saw plenty of deep balls early in the year. It didn't look like it was an issue. It did throughout the year. I mean, I never looked at like him throwing the ball and went, "Oh man, he looks like he's got a popcorn, a popcorn, you know, arm for 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 an for an arm, a popcorn gun arm, like that kind of thing." No, I, I really didn't. I thought I saw the biggest drastic changes in his throwing when he kind of hurt his knee. What was that week four or five? A little bit. That's when I thought I noticed the difference. But like, you know, we're showing some throws here that are aggressive down the field. There's no hitching his giddy up there or anything like that. You know, I, I so I'm I'm actually surprised to hear him. I, I mean, I don't know if that was an excuse or he just got defensive all of a sudden or what, but I certainly didn't see anything physically that said, ooh, he can't do that, or ooh, he threw a fifty yard bomb to Claypool down the left sideline and I could tell it hurt his arm or anything. I, I couldn't tell that. At the risk of pointing out the egg all over your head, it's pop gun. Pop gun. That's what it is. <laughs> okay, thank you. I knew I said Not something. I can always gun. tell by your face that I've said something stupid. I can tell you're just waiting for me to finish my point so you can correct me. <laughs> I'm not aware of a popcorn gun. Yeah. I would not be very afraid of a popcorn Well, that's, gun. Uh, that's now, why it kind of makes sense again. <laughs> Unpop popcorn, then yes, because that's essentially a handful of BBs. But if it's pop popcorn, bring it on. I'll, I'll, I'll right. stand down uh, the barrel of a popcorn gun. Okay. Uh, you but, mentioned yeah. the knee. Right. You mentioned the knee. Right. And, and I think that's far more significant than anything that happened and maybe that's why he had that little smile when he's talking about the elbow I don't want to go to next level here but the reality is near the end of the season every week someone was reporting on yes. the struggles that Ben Roethlisberger was having with his knees not knee with his knees every week Steelers not listing him as having a knee issue on the injury report they got whacked in 2019 for not disclosing the elbow before the elbow went during the week two game against the Seahawks. And, you know, they do the whole thing. They find the coach. They find the organization. It's not a huge amount. It's basically a parking ticket. But it's still a rare indication by the NFL that we got some cheaters in here. And, spoiler alert, they got cheaters in there, not just in Pittsburgh, but everywhere. People look, as Bill Cowher explained to Ed Bouchette of The Athletic recently, they're always looking for a way to get an advantage. And it's only cheating if you get caught. I don't know that that's really the the right way to phrase it, but that's how Cowher phrased it. Yeah. So. Yeah, hey, they they cheated the injury report in 2019. And maybe he didn't mention his knees because he doesn't want to go down that path. Maybe. But the knees were an issue, and he did address his late-season struggles. Let's see if he mentions the knees. I haven't heard this part of it. Here's Roethlisberger from yesterday. I didn't play well enough at the end of the season. It's it's no secret, and I'll be the first to, to point the thumb myself. Um, you know, when the ball is in your hand every play, you have to make plays and you have to play better football. And, um, you know, that that's if the quarterback myself is not playing good football, that that almost especially late in the season is directly related to winning and losing. So um, I'll, I'll take that playoff and, and those games on me is, is just feeling worn down, not playing good enough football at the end of the season. 
Feeling worn down. Worn down in what way? That's the thing. The, the knees, you, you can't ignore what your eyes are seeing and what your ears are hearing when yeah. reporters are saying they're concerned about his knees, they're concerned about his knees, and you see him hobbling. And, you know, that that's the thing that concerns me about this experiment by the Steelers. They whip themselves up into a state of delusion that this guy's 29, not 39. Yeah, sure. He's 39. And a he's real had 39, the total reconstruction. Like, and got he's, he's hit a, a lot. He, yeah. yeah, yeah, th- this is a this is a thirty-nine-year-old rental car. Right. This right. is this is a car. This is not a vehicle that has been taken meticulous care of. Right. This is a car that has been beaten into the ground, yeah. and it's thirty-nine years old. Right. And I, I just feel like they've. It's just like we're suspending disbelief on that fact. Like, guys, ah, he's still Ben Roethlisberger. He's a thirty-nine-year-old Ben Roethlisberger, and there's a difference. There, there, there is a difference. There's no doubt. I think I, I still saw enough last year to go, no, you could win and you could do it with them. I will say that. Now, listen, you're right. I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's a little crickety at times. And every now and then he needs a tune-up and, you know, there's a wheel wobbling. And they got to do – that's why they got to change the way they play. It's not realistic. It's also why I'm not really buying, like, the arm thing either, right? Like, listen, if your arm is really hurting – and I'm not, like, challenging Big Ben here. I, I'm really not. I'm kind of just challenging the Steelers in general and everything here, though. But, like, if your arm's hurt, you know, you don't throw the ball 608 times and throw the ball 50 times every game. They would have changed that. You know, to me, it was the offense was the issue. I don't think it's about, like, Big Ben can't throw the ball down the field. I saw plenty, and a plenty of games where he was aggressive. To me, it was more – Maybe where he affected the offense is, like we talked about last year, changing a run play to a short pass play and do all of that. But either way, we talked about this a lot. And I give him a lot of credit for, one, like taking the blame there, right there, like, you know, say, I didn't play good enough. Listen, that's really nice of him to say. They didn't do crap diddly squat to help him either at the end of the year. I'll say that for him, no doubt about it. I mean, come on. You know, short, predictable pass plays like we talked about, no run game. Nothing there to help him out that way. So I really appreciate him like taking one on the chin there for the team and all of that. But they have to change the way they're playing for the reasons you mentioned, you know, so they're not so predictable. And like if you just look at his season, you know, as it goes, you can kind of always see the trend of teams caught on to what they did early in the year. They were throwing it more aggressively and getting more yards and doing things like that. As the year went on, we get into late in the year, Mike. I mean, he's having games where it's 5.1 yards, 4.5 yards per per attempt and things like that. You know, that just tells me a lack of aggressiveness, lack of, you know, uh, creativity in the offense to create big plays. And you see the numbers here. So, you know, Big Ben wasn't at his best. I know that. But, you know, like a Brady and like to your point you're talking about, they got to help him be healthy and be the best he can be and not go, hey, you're 39 and we're going to ask you to drop back and with no run game, throw the ball and carry us, you know, every game like you're a young guy. And then and that's where I just don't think it's realistic. Well, look, a simple explanation. They had gotten away from the running game. Yeah. The short passing game became the running the game replacement right. for the running game. Right. And after X number of games, defenses that study film and game plan for their contest against the Steelers, saw what they were doing, and they didn't change it. Yeah. They kept doing it. Yeah. The, the, the receivers got criticized for drops. As you said last year, it's hard to hold on to the football when the safety is teeing off on the guy who's coming across the middle because they know it's going to be a short pass. Right. And they've seen it on film 100 times. Right. So, and, and 
you know, I, I appreciate that you're crediting Roethlisberger for taking blame here, but maybe he's taking the blame because that's where the blame resides. Because well, I'm he sure spent some. too much time yeah. changing the play at the right. line of scrimmage. Maybe he had no faith in the running game. Yeah. And and he just decided, you know, I'm not going to hand it off to a guy who's going to gain one or two yards. I'm going to try to get the ball down the field a little bit. And look, we, I can we see know that. the we know the the arm still works and the body still works because he got over 500 passing yards. The, in the playoff, right? Loss, that's what I mean. Part because he needed to. Yeah. But Chris, there's 17 regular season games I know. this year. I just still, I still believe that by the time we get to November, one or both sides of this, player and team, are going to regret that he came back for one more year. Like Brett Favre in 2010, I think they're going to regret that they that they ran it back one more time. Well, you know, they might. You're right. They're playing with fire. There's no doubt about that. I mean, I, I won't deny that. But I do think, like, one of the goals for the year for that team, and especially, again, I'll say it, with their backup quarterback situation, which I have no faith in, I'd like to state that one more time, that one of the goals for the year and something that should be on Mike Tomlin's radar as a little again, I'm going to go back to Tampa. It, protect Brady, 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 Brady. Protect him, protect him. We want to make sure he's okay, healthy, playoff run next year, whatever it may be. It's got to be a little bit part of their thought process when even game planning. You know, that's what that's what you got to do when you have a quarterback of this age and you want him to survive through the year and be healthy. Yeah, you're going to have to manage practice and reps and do all things like that, but you're going to have to think about you know, ooh, okay, I like this play, but man. You know, it could leave him open with a lack of protection here, and they bring this one extra guy sometimes on this blitz. And, you know, let's just err on keeping the tight end in and the running back in and make him feel comfortable. They, you know, so he feels comfortable, and then he doesn't get hit. It's, a, again, a lot like what we saw from Brady and them last year. They kind of just said, okay, we're forget trying to figure everything out. We're just going to make you feel comfortable and make it simple and just throw some strikes for us. And I think if they can stay within that mold, then they got a fighting chance to to not have regret like you're talking about. Ben Roethlisberger took the blame for the late season struggles, but he's back. The guy who was responsible for the offense, Randy Fickner, is not right. back. Matt Canada is in charge of the offense. Here's Ben Roethlisberger talking yesterday about the struggles of learning the new Matt Canada attack. It's definitely harder when you've had uh, you know kind of the same offense or a very similar offense for. 17 years and then all of a sudden something is called is, is looks the exact same but it's called something completely different it's it's very difficult it's a it's a big challenge but um you know that that's the game of football is, is learning new things and new challenges um coach canada's offense is one that um hopefully will be a good one and that we need to execute the plays that he calls and um you know hopefully we'll be we'll be better on offense than we were last year hopefully it'll be a good one yes from the perspective well, of any Steelers fan out there, that is an accurate hope to be yeah. reflecting. Hopefully it'll be a good one. We <laughs> yeah. hope. We hope. Hey, we all got, got hope. Look, they've got the receivers. Yes. They went all in with Najee Harris. Right. First round. The only question beyond Roethlisberger's ability to avoid fracturing into a thousand pieces at age 39 a rough 39 as we've discussed the offensive line yeah that's the big question no mark doubt. we don't know how the offensive line is going to be and I don't think they know how it's going to be no it, it seems you know they seem to know more than we do at least that they feel a little bit more confident about some of these guys that maybe we don't have great knowledge about that they can make it work but you're right I mean that's that's a huge piece of the puzzle there's no doubt to make Big Ben work the offense everything work you know yeah 
they they got to work to make Najee Harris work, which therefore will take a little pressure off of Big Ben like we're talking about and keep him healthy, and then maybe you can make a run. But it, it is about something you brought up all the time during the year, after the year, the attitude, how they're coached in training camp. It's got to be a real focus on that run game. And really, listen – I'm, I'm, I got a little perked up when I just heard that from Big Ben about the new offense and new terminology. Listen, they've been bending down to him for a long time there and kind of just, oh, hey, oh, you like this? We'll do this. We'll do that. Oh, these are your plays? Okay, Big Ben, whatever you say, we'll just run those. That's cool. That, this to me says they're kind of like, nope, nope, we're done with that. We're going to an offense that we think is going to make our team better, not just, not just an offense that you like, Ben, or you've been comfortable with. And I think that's a positive, too. I think it's going to make them better. It's obviously going to add some schematical things that they haven't done to their offense. But I, I kind of find that encouraging that they're not, you know, a new offensive coordinator. He's here. We're really doing the same things that we always did because Big Ben's really running the show. I think that's a positive that he's having to learn some new stuff here. One last item that came up during yesterday's press availability that needs to be addressed, the contract for Ben Roethlisberger mm. for 2021. One thing that we said as this question lingered and lingered and lingered was this only takes five minutes if what you're doing is taking what he was due to make this year, converting the maximum that you can to a signing bonus, the rest $1.075 million is salary, everything else gets spread, you put on dummy years on the back end, it's very easy to do, very easy to do to create maximum cap space for Ben Roethlisberger without him giving up any money. And we had predicted that the problem was the Steelers wanted to give up money and he doesn't. And I was told at one point, hey, the Steelers haven't asked him to give up anything. Well, Roethlisberger now claims that the $5 million, $5 million that he gave up in 2021 pay was his idea. Here he is talking about that yesterday. What was your reaction when the Steelers asked you to take a pay cut? Were you, were you hurt? Were you surprised? Just what, what were your emotions? Ray, it was my idea. Um, I told them I want to help the team out however we can. And so I went to them and told them that I would do whatever I could to help the team sign, you know, the, the guys that are going to help us win football games. I've been extremely blessed to play this game for a long time. And so um, you know, that was one of the reasons I wanted to come back because I knew we had a, obviously a great defense and some, some amazing weapons on offense. And so I wanted to, to come back to be a part of what I think is a special football team that everyone's overlooking, which is kind of cool too. And so in order to do that, to help get guys here, I felt that it was necessary to do that. See, w without getting into the nuts and bolts of it, Chris, I think it was more about the way they did it, not having some huge cap number that they have to deal with next year if he's gone. It, I think they could have gotten to the same place in his cap number for this year. And this is the year he's concerned about. This is the year. I mean, everybody everybody assumes it's his last year. He said he's operating as if it's his last year, but he right. looks at every game as potentially his last game. I, I, don't, I don't buy that it was his idea unless they put the Jedi mind trick well, on him and got him to think it's his idea when it was really their idea. Well, like... I'm kind of with you on that thought, like, right? I'm kind of I'm, in my experience or being around football world. I would think, first off, this ain't his first rodeo. He knows what's going on. He knows the reality of the situation and the conversation around him, right? I mean, second thing is, I'm sure he had a little inkling 
about, wait, you know, what's going on here? Does Pittsburgh want me back? You know, the agent might have talked to the team and they're, oh, you know, they're concerned about your contract situation. And what he basically did is took the power back into his own hands and said, hey, 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 I'll take less. I'll take less. I'll take less. I want to be your quarterback. I'll take less. I'll take less. And he kind of stopped that conversation and made it easy on the team. And he took pressure off the situation altogether by doing that. So, I mean, I think it was a smart play by him, really. Maybe the only play. Maybe a little bit of a political play to do that and get out in front of it if it was his idea. But I think it was the right thing to do for him, especially. He wants to play. You know, he probably sensed that they were juggling around some things in the back end a little bit. And he said, wait, I'll I'll make it simple. Here you go. I'll play for, you know, basically peanuts. Just bring me back. And that's kind of the way at least I envision it going down. I mean, the bottom line is $5 million went away. Yeah. $5 million is gone. He's still going to make 14. But $5 million gone. And I don't care how much money someone has. They don't want to just give up $5 million voluntarily. You don't get to that point where you have that much money if you're that reckless with your attitude toward $5 million. Very and it true. reminds me of 2015. Remember, they cut Peyton Manning's salary by, I think it was $4 million, Yeah. But also gave him the opportunity to earn it back by winning the Super Bowl. Oh, and he did. Right. That's what surprised me about this. They took away the $5 million with no face saver. They could have put a little face saver in there that you put in incentives that earn that money back if they would win the Super Bowl. And the fact that that wasn't in there, I again, I just think that that was the only way he was coming back. Yeah. And, and they were serious about moving on if right. they couldn't get him back at the number they wanted him at. Yeah, that's why I, I that's where I think he probably sensed all those things you just said, Mike. I think you know, again, he's he's no idiot this man. We know that. And he's a baller and he loves Pittsburgh and He's one of the greatest players in the history of that organization. So, yeah, I think he did this to to kind of just soothe it over and make the decision a little easier for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And well done. And listen, I still got faith in Big Ben. I know I think I'm thinking I'm sensing you're on the fence a little bit more than I am. Yes. Uh, I know. I get it. I get yes. it. I'm not I'm not saying you're wrong, um, but we'll, we'll see. There's definitely some things a part of that formula and equation that got to get fixed to make him work the right way, too. So we'll see. Big Ben, Big Ben, Big Ben, Big Ben. <laughs> As I said back when, out of the blue, they decided he was coming back. They were just far enough removed from the way the 2020 season ended to allow themselves within their echo chamber of the team facility to say, hey, you know what? If This play in this game, this play in this game, this thing here, if we just do this, if we just do that, we're good enough to not just start 11-0. Forget 11-0, we're good enough to win the Super Bowl. They convinced themselves they can do it. Otherwise, they would have ripped off the Band-Aid and started looking for Probably. You know, alternatives. Hey, they were in the low 20s. They could have tried to get in position to get Mac Jones. Yeah. I, I, they had to have thought about all their possibilities, all their options. They had to. But they got themselves convinced at the end of the day that our goal is to win a Super Bowl, and every year we try to win the Super Bowl – And this year, the best way to win the Super Bowl is to keep Ben around, I predict, by November because of the physical breakdown of a guy who's going to be halfway between 39 and 40, more than halfway between 39 and 40. They're going to regret it. He's going to regret it, and they're going to regret it. That's my prediction. If I'm wrong, great, but I can't stifle that belief. All right. Hey. Last year, down the stretch. Kristen takes exposed. Yep. Kristen and Pete, put it in the vault. Put it in the vault. Bring it back in November. A.M. Eastern, June 2, 2021. I'm fine with it. Play it back. Okay. And play it back if I'm right, too.
That's yeah, oh, yeah, we will. Caveat. We definitely play it back. You're, play it back. Right. I'm right. You're right. Okay. Uh, let's take a break. There's another quarterback out there who is several years older than Ben Roethlisberger, but thanks to avocado ice cream and otherwise taking pristine care of his body, Tom Brady still going strong. How strongly will he be going during the balance of the offseason? Bruce Arians addressed that yesterday. We'll share that with you when PFT Live continues right after this. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com, to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. There's Tom Brady. Oh, baby. Out. Ooh, Under Armour cleat. Watch, though. Watch. Yes. Uh, brought to you by Under Armour. There's no brace on the left knee. Uh-oh. Oh, looking good. Tom Brady. Oh, look at him moving with that 5-2 speed. The ball. That I hope that's a special effect. <laughs> I, it, it, either that's a special effect or they need to see what they dip that football in. But Tom Brady working out. Looks Tom cool. Brady selling Under Armour. I like the cleats. And uh, no, no brace. He had... Pretty serious surgery on the knee. Yeah. He said that himself. Crazy. Ne- never showed up. Speaking of knee injuries that never showed right, up on another the injury one. report last year, right. there's one there. And he he spoke about it last month, and he got into a lot of detail. And, you know, it'd be nice to spend a season not having to tend to the knee all the time and worry about the knee. And I asked the league, any comment on this? You know, Tom Brady never was on the injury report with a knee. and No comment. Oh, yeah. Of course, no comment. Right. Uh, you know, because, again, we got cheaters in here, folks. They all cheat. They all cheat. They're all looking for an edge. Sorry, it's true. Yeah, they're all they hiding all things cheat. on the reports. And Chris, Chris, I, I know we're supposed to talk about Brady, yeah. but I just need to emphasize this. What? Whether it's the injury report, whether it's that very casual attitude that Bill Cower expressed to Ed Bouchette in promoting his new book about he's not trouble with Spygate because everybody cheats and it's only cheating if you get caught. In an age of rapidly proliferating legalized gambling there is going to be a point where it all potentially falls down and if the cheating gets exposed the cheating is undermining the integrity of the wagers if cheating is happening that's what the league doesn't want to talk about but it needs to and it needs to be thinking about it because all it takes is one scandal 
big enough yeah. that affects enough of the hardworking dollars of the people out there who are wagering legally. When it's illegal, who cares? Hey, that's what you get for placing illegal wagers. Too bad. You should have gotten lottery tickets instead. But when it's legal, that's when it changes. And one scandal big enough means there's going to be some sort of an agency. There's going to be some sort of an oversight. The NFL is going to lose ultimate control of its sport if it's not careful. So that, that people think, that's oh, why real. do you care? Why I'm do you care? You there, why do yeah. you care? That's why, that's why I care. Yeah. Because I don't think the NFL is better off having some independent third party coming in telling it how to run its show. No, no. I'm Listen, Mike, I mean, it's a real thing. You're right. There's no doubt about that. And it's a real thing every week on every team in the NFL as far as what can we hide and what do we not have to put out there on the injury report? What can we get away with the guy just saying, oh, it's maintenance or anything like that? It, it, it's part of the business. And that's probably where, you know, again – you know, with all the new money and all that, you're probably going to need an independent doctor or somebody in the team facility that the NFL has to make sure that things are following protocol or anything like that, to your point. So that's very real. Um, anything else you want? Here's the, here's yeah, the challenge. Though. Here's right. the challenge. And, and I sense this within the last 10 years. If you aggressively apply the rules, whether it's tampering, injury reports, whatever the rules are, the rules that are readily being broken, if you aggressively enforce the message that you send to the average person is, man, it is a, they are all cheaters. They are all cheaters. It's, you know, it's, they got this one, they got this one, they got this one, they got this one. Uh, get back to us when you find somebody who isn't cheating. That's the perception they're trying to avoid, and they desperately need to avoid it in this new age. Here's Bruce Arians yesterday talking about Tom Brady's ongoing recovery from that pretty serious knee surgery, even though the knee injury was never on the report last year. I don't know how much I'll let him do, you know, with guys chasing him around. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. See what the doctors say, and uh, and uh, he may be doing a lot of coaching. So at mandatory minicamp, when Tom Brady will be there? Currently, what what a strange scenario the Buccaneers have. They have a certain number of guys who are over there at the Yankees facility working out with Tom Brady. Right. And then they get the other guys who are in their facility, and Tom Brady will be there for the mandatory minicamp. But, again, they're being careful with that knee. Pretty serious surgery on the knee, and they're making sure he's ready to go when the season rolls around, as they should. Oh, come on. We know he'll be ready. I mean, there's just there's nobody been ever been more diligent with their body in, in the history of maybe sports, especially football with Brady. I mean, he's probably got people looking over his leg and knee 24-7. He does everything right. He's probably found the right food that, you know, strengthens a ligament and takes away, you know, the, the swelling. He's, he's amazing that way. I mean, it just, again, I can't say enough about Brady and even that little video there. I mean, his body, the way he's transformed it, the way he looks, it's crazy I'm saying that. But, I mean, man, I saw him as a younger guy. I saw him when I worked there 10 years ago. His body wasn't as good as it is now. It just shows you that, you know, what he does and just the attention to detail and everything like that. And, you know, I just – I know people think I don't like Tom Brady, but it's just not the fact. And, you know, the other thing I like, too – You just is think like, he cheated. Well, yeah, I, I think he took the air of the ball. Speaking of widespread cheating. That's it. That's, you think he cheated. Okay, well, I do. I think he took the air of the ball. That's it. Other than other than that, I – Not him. Somebody well, else did. Well, I'll never hear. Well, I, I, I mean, but everything else, I, I, I will never say like anything negative about him. I mean, I just think he's he's awesome. Even in that little video there, he's throwing a football and he like yells out there. I, I can picture what he's doing. I've seen him do it in person. Yeah, go ahead, play it. Like, watch. There's there's this one ball he throws to his right, 
and he kind of yells at the receiver and he, or something like that. And it's coming up here, I think, maybe with the next throw. But it's such a Tom Brady thing because I saw him do that in practice in New England. And it's a great way to, like, kind of get energy for the football team. And it might be – it's coming up here. I just wanted to see it so everybody can, like – Sure Enjoy it, it. Here it is, maybe. Yeah, sure. It's this one. See? Oh, right. Like, he's great in that stuff. We used to warm up in New England. And listen, I wasn't always allowed on the practice field, but I'd have to go catch balls and things like that. And he'd start throwing some balls, and he'd get loose, and he'd start, oh, the rifle's out. I'm throwing lasers today. And it's, it's lasers. You can't handle that, receivers, and doing stuff like that. And it's, it infected the whole team. It woke everybody up, gave everybody energy, and that's where I love Tom Brady. Did, did you saw, also have the best hands in the organization when you were with the Patriots? I don't you established know yesterday nobody, Randy Moss that you had the best hands on the Titans. Yeah, yeah, no, nobody cared about me in New England. Nobody <laughs> gave a damn. And I think a lot of the times that they saw me caught a ball, they were like, hey, get that jerk back in the building to break something down. That's kind of how it went down. <laughs> Last year, the Buccaneers had three quarterbacks, Tom Brady and Blaine Gabbert with Ryan Griffin on the practice squad. Ryan Griffin's biggest contribution was to serve as the guy who kept – Brady from falling over drunk after the boat parade when they won the Super Bowl. Now they have Kyle Trask, second round pick, fell to them. There was a thought that he would go higher than that. He yeah. was there at the bottom of round two. They actually thought about taking him at the bottom of round one, so they got him a full round later. Here's Bruce Arians talking about the development of Kyle Trask. It's not easy when you're going against our defense because he, he has seen a multitude of blitzes and coverages, so I just, I'm really impressed. And, uh, you know, it's a uh, you know, when having worked with guys for the first time in this offense, he's at he's at the top of the list as far as the learning curve, and uh, and he's throwing the football really well. Mentally wise, he's not far behind it, but Andrew did in the same offense, and uh, you know, it's um, what Andrew did that year was unbelievable. But um, I'm not saying he's Andrew Luck, but uh, but mentally he's mentally he's really really sharp. Bruce Arians loves him some hyperbole. Not long ago, he was calling Blaine Gabbert the most underrated player in the entire NFL. He pumps his players. They, really, they, they have an issue there. Brady, Trask, Gabbert, Griffin. Yeah. Somebody's got to go. And Arians talked about that yesterday. He's not ready to call Griffin the odd man out. Griffin's been there since 2015. It's crazy. 2015? Well, it goes he's back to one thing. He's played in two games. Yeah. 2019, he's played in two games. Right. But uh, I, I can't imagine them keeping four guys around. No, I'm with you. And, you know, and, and you know that it goes back like the Griffin thing goes back to like the same. You know, he's a non-threatening, perfect backup quarterback. You know, the team's never gonna walk off the practice field and go, "Whoa, did you see our backup?" They might go, "They might go, whoa, did you see our backup holding our quarterback up straight so he doesn't make a fool of himself?" Uh, weekend at Bernie's no, he here. Was, uh, he it still made amazing. a fool of himself. It, it kept him from falling down and busting his face. Well, yes, either way. I loved it. I, 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 lo it. I thought it was great. No, it I thought it was great. It's I great. agree. You're right, I agree. right. But, like, right. I'm with you with the – I think Ryan Griffith is the, the odd man out. I do, yes. I mean, Blaine Gabbert has the experience. You got a Super Bowl team. You got to keep him as the backup. And Trask has a chance to be the future. I mean, that, that's why they drafted him. And I think it's encouraging all those things you hear – you know, from, from Bruce Arians. Trask, from his college tape to his pro day, did pretty drastically change his throwing motion in his body, which is very encouraging. You know Bruce Arians likes big quarterbacks, like Big Ben, you know, Peyton Manning, even Brady, you know, Carson Palmer. Those are big guys. Trask is that kind of guy, and that's where he fits, and we'll see. Maybe they really struck gold here in, in late in the third round and, and found the future, but he's got some time to develop behind the great one.
I'm still not a big believer in guys changing their throwing motion for their pro day and having it stay with the new motion when it's time to go play football. The biggest example there, Tim Tebow. Remember all the talk in 2010? Always oh, changes motion. He's yeah. changes motion. Sure. Yeah, fine. When he starts playing, he's going to go back to that slowly cranked catapult motion, and we saw that time and again. But look, Arians has made it clear not that long ago that he's staying. He's not going anywhere. There was a report Super Bowl Sunday he may retire if the Buccaneers win, and he called that BS, although he used the full word. Uh, (laughs) He's staying until Brady goes, and he made it clear recently he would be happy to stay afterward. That's when he said Blaine Gabbard. He'd love to work with him, most underrated guy in the NFL. He's got Kyle Trask now. And it's kind of the Belichick-Brady conundrum on a different level. Because Arians is going to want to prove that he can still coach at a high level without Tom Brady. When Brady comes in and does so much for your team and everyone thinks, oh, it's Brady, it's Brady, it's Brady, I think Arians is going to feel compelled to stick around and show that he can be successful without Brady. It would be interesting to see. I mean, certainly Brady got, you know, the the – the, the 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 you know the majority share of the credit this year that's for sure you know but it got Bruce Arians a Super Bowl he doesn't care we'll see we'll see if he can kind of check his ego at the door with with that whole conversation as we go forward but I like I don't expect him to retire anytime soon now I mean damn he's worked all this hard and now he's finally he's got a team that's set up for the next three or four years to be one of the best teams in football so he's like damn I'm not giving that up I'm gonna stay right here and see if I can't squeeze another Super Bowl win, maybe two out of this. But, you know, you bring up an interesting point there that, you know, maybe that reality could start to be an issue at the end of this season and, and next offseason. But I think that if you are Arians, you've put in the work, you've paid your dues, you got your first opportunity That's to be right. a head coach late in your career because you don't kiss ass, you don't play the game, you are true to who you are. It's one of the reasons Mike Zimmer had to wait as long as he did. So why now, when you've put in the effort, when you've reached your spot, why would you walk away from That's it? Right. That's right. The right. question came up earlier this week about Roger Goodell, how much longer he'll be the commissioner. Be the commissioner as long as you can. Right. Die with your boots on her until the they tell you, you to get do. the hell out. Yeah. What's the point? <laughs> right. You're making huge money. Right. You've cracked the code on the job. Why would you stop doing something that you have put that much time and effort into perfecting and reaching a level where... It's working. Yeah. It's working. That's right. And it's easy for you now, or at least easier than it's ever been. Why would you stop doing it? So, yeah, I, Arians, coach as long as you can. Goodell, commission as long as you can, or commission or whatever the right word is. And uh, that's the way to do it. Now, Arians did have a message yesterday. We talked about this split squad, sanctioned workout, unsanctioned workout, Tom Brady and his band of merry men at the Yankees facility. And the guys who are working out under the auspices of the Buccaneers in their OTA sessions, here's Arians being asked a question about uh, the fact that plenty of guys aren't there for him to evaluate. What did you not see today that you wish you had seen? About 10 more players. These guys out here working their ass off. But I'd like to see about 10 more of them that are fighting for jobs that they don't know they're fighting for. Uh, technically, yeah. coaches are not allowed to say anything that would suggest that these sessions are not voluntary. And frankly, if the union wanted to yeah, create an issue, there. they could. I don't, yeah. th- I don't think they will. But th- th- that, that's, that's one of the reasons why when the union launched this effort to stay away from the OTAs, we said, 
hey, there are guys who need to be there or they're not going to have a chance to compete for one of the roster spots. It's one of the things that makes this different from a regular union. You got 90 guys on that roster right now for the Buccaneers. 37 of them will not be on the roster come week one. And there are 10 of them that don't realize the trouble they're in. And they're not there for Bruce Arians to see what they're able to do as of right now. And uh, th- that's the conversation that needs to be had between that's right. player and agent. Yeah. So the player is aware of his li- of like, the jeopardy that the player's in. No doubt. Or the player needs to call the coaches, too. And, and you get, kind of get, the, you know, the whatever. The, 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 you know, it, give me the lay of the land. What's going on? See, and, and Aaron's will tell you. Aaron's, Aaron's, Aaron's will, will tell, tell you. you. I would think everybody on that staff would shoot you straight. I don't think Bruce would hire a guy unless you know he just shoots it straight. That's the way he is. That's why he's Get your awesome. ass in here, right? Yeah, and he said it. You're right. He's kind of flirting with the breaking the rules by saying that. But I also think he says it out of like the goodness of his heart to be like kind of send a warning to these players, like, hey man, like come on, you're you know you don't know sometimes. Again, a quarterback is different. You know when you're having to compete. Oh, they drafted this guy. They signed him as a free agent. Sometimes you could be, and this is not the best scenario, a middle linebacker, right? I know the Bucks and the linebackers are good, and they're not, they don't have to worry about anything. But, like, you could be a middle linebacker who's been starting the last two or three years. And maybe there's a guy going into year two at linebacker, and then they drafted a guy in the fourth or fifth round. You might not really realize that, the organization is kind of not as happy with your play as you are and that there is a thought of replacing you until you are at the facility and all of a sudden they, you start doing things that are rep-oriented, right, Mike? That's when sometimes players realize, like, oh, crap, I took the first three reps with the first team, but the first team stayed out there and they put the other guy in for the last three reps. Uh-oh, I'm, in, I'm competing for my job. Sometimes players don't really know that they're on the line that way until they're out with the team and they're doing drills and things like that, and there's a pecking order thrown out there by the coach of your position, and you start to realize, wait, holy crap, I'm, I, I might not be assured to be the starter here or be, make the team. And I think that's what Bruce Arians is speaking to, and I think that's a big problem around the league right now with some of these middle-to-older veteran-type players. And what's surprising about this is – Bruce Arians presumably has gotten his point across already, and those guys still aren't there. I would and think so. And my guess so. is he's, ma- he's made sure they know. Right. I would grid. think so. Even if you don't say it directly to the player, you, the, the, you, you're never going to get in trouble with the union for calling up a player's agent and saying, you better tell your guy to get his ass here if he wants a job this season because he doesn't realize that he's in a competition. And, and, again, that's what makes this whole union construct awkward. You've got union brethren who are all vying for the same limited number of jobs. And uh, it's, it's just it's, it's, not, it's not easy to get the players to engage in collective action like that to stay away when a certain number of them really need to be there because they're, they're being evaluated and there's less right. opportunity to evaluate them. Let's take a break. We heard a lot from Bruce Arians. He's got as much job security right now as any coach in the NFL. Zach Taylor has a little bit less. We'll hear from him about his quarterback and his first-round draft pick. Why am I holding a cake? I'm carrying you. I'm, uh, you know, your drunk cake oh, story that you right, put your hand cake. in. I'm, I'm yeah, holding you up, yeah. just making sure you survive and don't put that dirty hand on the cake we'll, again. We'll be, we'll be right back. Drop it up.
Joe Burrow getting ready for 2021, recovering from the torn ACL. All indications have been positive, Chris. But as we've discussed multiple times recently, until he's out there playing, we don't know how it's all going to turn out. For Joe Burrow, will he be as effective as he was before he suffered that injury? Let's hear from Zach Taylor, head coach of the Cincinnati Bengals, talking about Joe Burrow as he gets ready for year two. It's been, it's been fun to watch him because he looks good throwing the football. You know, obviously he can't do all the movement stuff that he'll be doing, you know, once the season rolls around. But I'm just watching him throw the football. It's the same old Joe. He looks better every single day I see him. You know, there's a little more movement there. Um, but but certainly the distance stuff is is something that's uh, not off limits for him right now. And so I know he's just trying to get reacquainted with some of these receivers and get some extra throws in, and that's been good to see. Hey, uh, look, important year for Zach Taylor. Not as important for Joe Burrow from the standpoint of his long term career. Right. But Taylor's got to Taylor's got to do something to reverse this funk the Bengals have been in. And yes, last year Burrow's injury helped contribute to the tailspin, but the record is not good through two years. Third year for Taylor is going to require Burrow and a lot of guys to get it done at a high level to keep Taylor on the right side of the employment line for the Bengals, Chris. Yeah, I, I would think so. I, I don't know what that would take either. That That's to me, I mean, you know, you got to be realistic. I think if you are ownership of the Cincinnati Bengals and everything like that too, I mean, I don't think you can realistically look at it and go, I expect our roster to win the division this year. I mean, that, that at least to me. So I don't know, Mike, like I just ask you, like what, what, what does he have to do, you think, just like off the top of your head, and I know it's June 2nd here, but like, what do you think record-wise he might have to do to save his job? I don't think it's realistic to say like, oh, he's got to go to the playoffs. I, I, I don't. Not from with the team he took over, the division he's in, and all of that, with the young quarterback and all of that. So I, I just wonder what the, the, you know, the line of demarcation is there. I think the main thing is he's just got to avoid – a disaster, right. whatever a disaster would right. count as, because as we've discussed in the past, the Bengals do not like to pay coaches to not work. And, you know, we, we a lot of times you don't know the details of a contract and you never will know the details until, for example, a guy gets fired after three years and it turns out that only the first three years of his salary were guaranteed. I remember when they fired Marvin Lewis, he had a year left on his contract. I was stunned. Wait a minute. They don't like to uh, to have buyouts. Oh, it turns out that the next year, the last year, was a team-held option, so they didn't owe him anything. So that's the key. If they owe him anything for 2022, it would have to be 2-15, and 3-14 to get Zach Taylor fired this year. I, I really think that. If he has money owed to him in 2022. I, I, I think I'm, I'm with you. I think it would have to be. I, I feel the same way. As, as long as they're in the fight, you know, they're not a pushover. You know, they, they're, they're somewhat relevant to a degree. I, I, I would think that, yeah, that Zach Taylor has a chance to, you know, buy, buy another year uh, as far as him coaching the Cincinnati Bengals football team. But we'll see. I mean, you know, they did some good things in the draft, free agency, but like we've stated, the division's really good, and now you got a beat-up quarterback and dealing with that. You know, they're trying to figure out their offensive line and everything there. So there is some question marks, certainly, and some like unproven, you know, commodities still. So there, there's a lot to a lot of work to be done there in Cincinnati. The over under from points bet for Bengals wins this year is six and a half. I still think they could go six and eleven, maybe even five and twelve. Once you get down to four and thirteen, it just looks I'm really horrible. My best 
to make sure the total is 17. It's not easy to get used to. Four or less, that's when I think he's got a problem. Yeah, I I, I think you're right. Because like when you see four and 12 or four and 13 or anything like that, you, you just your first thought is when you see that number on a team's record, you go, they were a disaster this year. They're a disaster. That, that's really the thought, and, and it kind of carries on to the offseason and why they're drafting where they're drafting and those type of issues. So, yeah, I, I'm, I'd probably say, I don't know, in a year like this, he might have to get seven wins. It might have to be a 7-10 and 10 type record, which still sounds so freaking weird to say that. Holy cow. There were, there were rumors yeah. late last year I know, remember? that he was out. Yeah. And the Bengals felt compelled to issue a statement the day after the regular season ended announcing that he was coming back, which just legitimized the fact that the talk was out there. When does that ever happen, that you have an affirmative statement from a team that the coach is going to be back exactly. and the coach is under contract for the next year? So right. it's definitely there. And in an effort to make the team better, they used the fifth overall pick on receiver Jamar Chase, reuniting him with Joe Burrow. Here's Taylor talking about the rookie wideout. Jamar has been impressive. He picks it up really quickly. Uh, you know, I, I know there's probably some new terms that are crossover from some old terms he's had that, um, like any young receiver, it takes takes a couple days to get adjusted to. But um, man, he he gets lined up quick. He knows what to do. He's got great hands. You know, he's he's everything we'd hoped he could be here through through just the first couple of practices. But really excited to see when we can actually strap on the pads in training camp and see what his game looks like then. And even more interested to see what happens when it's go time, week one. I think it's the Vikings coming to town right out of the gates, if I recall correctly. It is. It's the Zimmer Bowl. Or is it? Or is it? Or is it the Raiders? Did we have fun with that? With no, Pete I think it was the. Point? I felt like it was the Zimmer Bowl to start the the yeah, year out. It is. Yeah, I I know it's not the Raiders, but we were we were messing with Pete one day with something along that the lines of the Bengals schedule or something like that. I can't remember. Pete now remembers. Pete is lamenting it over and over again into my IFB. He remembers, even though I don't, I've ruined Pete's morning. Yeah, it was inevitable. Pete. Good. Um, and anyway, uh, Hey, look, Jamar chase and Joe Burrow. We know what they did at LSU two years ago. Yeah. If, if Joe Burrow has time to throw, this could get very interesting when you consider the other weapons that they have in Cincinnati. And this is a team that quietly could become a factor. No, I agreed. I mean, they could be dangerous, especially on that offensive side of the ball. You would sit there and think, just looking at their roster and go, oh, they have the potential to be a real pain in the butt and put some points on the board and some yards on the board and all that. Chase is a baller. I don't think there's going to be any adjustment for this guy in the NFL. I really don't. He was in a very similar offense in LSU with that West Coast offense. That's what Zach Taylor runs there. You know, so that's why he can get lined up quick. He was in a pro offense, so it's not going to be a huge adjustment for him there. And he was the best receiver in college football two years ago. And again, he's young. He's only gotten faster and stronger since then. So I, I just can't imagine him not blowing us out all, you know, out of the water. Uh, I really, I, I really expect that from the player. I think he's that special. And you, you said it. You know, when you talk about Higgins and Boyd and Joe Mixon coming out of the backfield. That's a pretty damn impressive group. They got to protect the offensive line. And then what Joe Burrow said the other day, they got to be more explosive. They got to they can't it can't be 45 throws and Big Ben Roethlisberger four yard throws at a time. It, they got to take some pressure off of Joe Mixon to make a defense back up so he can run the ball and it's just going to help their team overall. It's the only weakness of Joe Burrow's game. His game is almost perfect. But I think you've heard me say before throwing the ball down the field and some of the power throws are 
maybe if you could pick a little negative of him, it would be that. And he got better at the as the year went on last year. But then, of course, he got hurt, and we didn't get to see it through. But uh, I, I think that's what he was talking about a little bit yesterday or the day before when he made that comment. And you know what's amazing about the Bengals right now? There has been no mention, no conversation, no concern whatsoever. What are they going to do without A.J. Green? I know. You're right. Nothing. And 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 I thought of that because yeah. – there were a lot of targets thrown his way last year by Joe Burrow. They could not quarterbacks, connect. But yeah. for whatever reason, the connection wasn't there. Yeah. And now Chase steps into that role that Green had. All right. Here's an exercise that we are going to engage in before we take our next break. Ranking these college duos who have been reunited at the NFL level, their impact on the 2021 season. In Cincinnati, it's Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase. Miami, Tua Tonga-Vailoa and Jalen Waddell. Philadelphia, Jalen Hurts and Devontae Smith, and Jacksonville, Trevor Lawrence and Travis Etienne. Rank those for me. One through four. Impact this year. Ooh, okay. I, I actually think how we have it here on this graphic, I would definitely go one, two right there. I think I would make Trevor Lawrence and Travis Etienne three, and Jalen Hurts and Devontae Smith four. You know, I just... I, I think to start there with the Jalen Hurts Devontae Smith conversation, there's just too many unknowns for me right now to buy onto that. You know, the team's kind of in a rebuild mode. It's a new offense. We know Jalen Hurts has his questions about throwing and things like that. So I got to see more there for me to bump him up in front of those other guys. I'm, I'm expecting the most out of uh, out of Burrow and, and Chase. Uh, that That's what I do. Yeah, I mean, we've seen them connect already. You know, we know Burrow's legit and belongs in the NFL and is a star. You know, so I think that's my clear one. Two is Tua and Waddle. Yes, there's talent there, but I think they're two for the obvious reasons, right? I mean, we both need to see more from Tua and to see if he can kind of take that next step in development in his football game, make some more explosive plays, throw the ball into tighter windows. So that's why I go with him there. And then, hey, the rookies, the Clemson rookies, I don't expect them to win a lot of football games, but I still expect them to be dangerous on the offensive side of the ball. Trevor Lawrence is going to have an impact because he's really talented, and he's going to make us pay attention to Jacksonville. And I'm excited to see ATN because he's got that Alvin Kamara skill set, and you brought it up, and like we talked about how he's been playing some slot receiver too, right? So I'm kind of interested to see how they use him and their, their plan of attack. So I guess that would be my ranking there. What do you, what do you think about that? At the rookie minicamp, he was exclusively lined up yeah, at receiver. Right. So they're going to get this guy on the field. This question, James Robinson or Travis Etienne, you're going to get your best 11 guys on the field. And, and Tebow, be and Tebow. For they Trevor Lawrence to throw the ball Tebow to him. <laughs> you, don't, you got anything more to say there? I'll let you, I'll let you carry no. that one home if you want. No, right? I'm just yes, joking. I'm yes. just joking. But what about the, you? The 11, the 11 best players with an asterisk. <laughs> do I'll you, just say do that. Do you like those I agree rankings? with you on Burrow and Chase. Okay. Yeah, I don't know about – Yeah. I still look. We, we want Tua to be good. I, this I hate having to talk about Tua, but I I think back to his comments from last week when he said he didn't know the offense very well. I you know I I I want to put Tua and Jalen Waddle at two, but hey, I don't know. Yeah, I, I know. I I think there's a gap between Burrow and Chase and whoever is two. I'll go with I Tua hear you there. and Waddle at two. And then with Hurts and Smith, Hurts didn't make your top 40 list. And for all we know, they're going to get the Sean Watson between now and the time the season starts in Philadelphia. I think they're very ambivalent about Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts was, in some respects, look, whatever happened last year with Carson Wentz, somebody in that organization 
must have thought it was possible or they wouldn't have used a second round pick on a quarterback. Yeah. Period. Right. Right. They must have thought it was possible and it happened. And now Jalen Hurts is the guy who's there backed up by Joe Flacco. And they got to ask themselves, where do we go from here? And I, I don't know that I saw enough from Hertz in his limited time last year to say he's going to be throwing the ball all over the place and Devontae Smith is going to be catching it and doing the things that he did in the uh, national championship game. So okay. I, I guess I would put I would put Hertz and Smith at four and Lawrence and ATN at three. Okay. All right. Here, wait. One more question. I know we got to go to break, but come on. It's June 2nd. We can talk. Okay, cool. Pete said we're cool. Our, our next segment's filler anyway, so we can keep talking hey, about you're, this. You're a funny guy. You're a very funny guy. It's the quarterback. It's, is it not? Top 40. <laughs> yeah, no, no, it's, it's not. No, it's not. Oh, no, it's, that's the segment after? Segments. Okay. Yeah. yeah. All right. So yeah. we have so we have two, two filler, filler segments, segments coming up. All right. <laughs> so, but, all right, I want to say this, because I had a coach say this to me uh, last week, and I, I wanted to bring this up to you or at least get your thoughts. You talked about Tua. We want to like Tua, right? He's, he is. He's charismatic. He's got that great, lovable smile. I root for him without a doubt. But, like, do you think because of that, he got away with those comments last week? I, I, I think there's some people in, around football that look at it like if other rookie quarterbacks had said that or done that in the past, there would have been a way bigger backlash. But because it's Tua and he's this likable guy, you know, people were just like, oh, he'll be better this year. That, you know, that that's not a bad take because from our perspective, there was a certain amount of relief because it's like, okay, now we understand why he got I benched. I know, right. He didn't get benched because he stunk. He got benched because he didn't know the playbook. Well, is that any better? I, I know. I mean, that's <laughs> that's a, kind of what the coach I was texting with made the point. Like, we, we, we What we else did Kyle have to say? Well, <laughs> you're funny. I haven't talked to Kyle. Uh, so, but No, you just texted with him. Uh, well, no, I, I, I did not. I did not. I did actually talk to him for the first time on Sunday this past week. I won't lie. I did. So there you go. I did talk to him. Like, okay. FaceTimed him and saw him and everything there. But no, this was somebody else. And it, it kind of brought up that same point <laughs> where the, but you, you, you said it right, where it's like, Oh yeah, like oh yeah, oh we feel better now now that we know what happened. But it was like, but it's still like, well, wait, you're the fifth pick of the draft. You didn't know the plays and the offense. What were you doing? You know, that was kind of the point that that this person was trying to make to me. And I was kind of like, damn, I wish I would have said that on the show last week because that is definitely part of the story here. Yeah, no, our reaction was Uh we had a certain amount of relief that. It, it's not that there's some sort of hard cap that's already been placed on his physical abilities, so there's still hope he's going to become whatever the Dolphins thought. And, you know, people get mad at us. Dolphins fans get oh, triggered because we're not me. leading the Tua Tonga Vailoa parade yeah. saying he's already Dan Marino and it's just a matter of time before they retire number one. We got to see it. And last week's candid confession by Tua made us feel like, huh, there's still hope. But, yeah, uh, look – it wouldn't take much time to put together a list of quarterbacks who would have been destroyed. Exactly, that's what I mean. If they said that's, that, that's where this guy what, went down too. He made a what, what he kind of said a few if, guys. What if? Right. What if? An, what if another guy who got benched a couple of times last year and had a rough experience in New England were to come out and say, you know? I just didn't know the playbook very well last year. What would people say if Cam Newton made that? Same admission. I, I, what uh, listen, they say? I know. I know. It'd be, it, you, you, it's all we'd be talking about. It's all we, I, I think there's other rookie quarterbacks we could look at through the last two years to go, ooh, if that guy said that, 
there would have been everybody been like, oh, he's a disaster. See what what's going on here? You know, so uh, it, it just shows you sometimes perception helps the reality of the situation. That's that's a great point, and uh, I I I am surprised that we didn't pluck the low yeah, hanging fruit. But I, I think I think I understand why we didn't. Right, and maybe the folks out there who are watching and listening understand as well. But maybe Tua does deserve more criticism for the. Well, we praised him for being so. Candid. I know, I know, because who comes out and says that? But yeah, others wouldn't have been praised for being candid. They would have been destroyed for saying that. They didn't know the playbook, regardless of how candid they were. Let's take a break. When we return, as I candidly admitted, a filler segment is next. We're going <laughs> to handicap this summer's quarterback competitions when PFT Live continues right after this. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.